Jesus all the praise this morning. Come on. You can do it. You can do better than that. Come on. Tell you what. Look around. If you see a new face, would you just give him a smile? Just say, hey, thank you so much for, for being here. We saw, I was talking with uh, some of our greeters, and, he, and one of our greeters at the beginning of the service goes, I just saw 30 people I've never seen before here. Like, I was like, did you count them all? Like, because that's pretty impressive. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed your 4th of July. More than that, I hope that you have all 10 fingers and all 10 toes this morning, because uh, some people don't. Just going to be real, real truthful up front, but uh, look at your neighbor and say, I got mine, right? So tell them, tell them I got all mine. Just and look at your other, your second choice and just wiggle all 10 of them at them. Just, just let them know that you're, you're here. Well, today I'm really excited uh, because we're beginning a new series, and uh, to introduce it to you, I want to tell you a, a quick story. Um, so about two weeks ago, I had the privilege of going on a fly fishing trip to Montana with Compassion International, and uh, it was one of my favorite trips that I've ever been on. Uh, because I met new people. I text my wife at the beginning of the trip. I go, this trip's going to be awesome. I only know one person here. And she texts me back and goes, that sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> I said, that's why we're a good team, baby. <laughs> By the way, my wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this church. My name is Adam Harold. if I've never met you before. Um, and so... On this trip, I met these new these these guys that were just fantastic fellas from all over the country, and um, it was it was awesome because I got to go fly fishing and I got to go see one of the most beautiful lakes that I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm sorry, Sebago, but not sorry, Sebago, because this place was gorgeous and it was um, in uh, Fort Smith, Montana, uh, the uh, Crow Nation Reservation. Uh, and it was right on the Bighorn River. It was just glorious. If you've never been there, you need to go. It's just so, so pretty. Well, on Thursday of the trip, we're, we had gone to the lake, and we were coming back to the, the house, and I was talking to my new friend Paul, uh, and Paul was going through a hard season. Um, he was on this trip coming off of a sabbatical that he was asked to take by his board, and um, he was praying about going home and telling his church that he was done. He was, he was tired, and he was, he was just done. And as I talked to Paul, I said, Paul, I felt like I was coming on this trip to, to hear from God about my next series, because I had no idea what I'm going to speak on, not this Sunday, but the Sunday after that, which is today. And um, I have no idea what I'm going to speak on. And he said, well, let me tell you what God's been showing me. And he starts talking about 1 Kings chapter 19, the story of Elijah and how God had been speaking to him. And, um, and it was great conversation. And, uh, but I, I didn't leave that conversation going, yeah, that's, that's it, God. That's, that's, what you, that's what you want me to, to speak on. Then I came home, and on Sunday last week, I was, I was preaching. And I don't know if you remember, but I talked about... The places that God likes to stay, by the way, if you missed that message, you can go to refugemain.church slash messages and hear um, all of our messages from the past. But 
um, I was talking about places where God likes to stay, and one of my points was that God stays close to the brokenhearted. In that sense, I felt the Spirit of God say, there was so much heartache in this room. And not just in this room, but in this church. And I felt like God was like, this is, this is it. This is your next series. And um, on, on the 4th of July, on Tuesday, I got up like most preachers do, and uh, just thinking always about the next message, the next series. And uh, as, I, as I got up on Tuesday, I prayed, and, and I did some brainstorming, and, and I asked God for what he had for me. And um, I felt like God gave me the title of my message that he had sent me to Montana to get. The title of this series is The Art of Casting. The text is 1 Kings chapter 19. So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings, put your thumb there, um, but you can also follow along with today's notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just like always, um, the screens will tell you how to get there. Now, this is a three-week series. That will um, be another one of those three-week series that takes us four weeks to get through. And the reason for that is because I am so excited for next Sunday because my friend Brian Shippey will be here. Brian Shippey and I have a discipleship friendship. Like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relationship that formed as I started thinking about discipleship in our church. And I reached out to Brian because he did it really well. And uh, that led us into a, a friendship, um, so much so that we meet together at least once a week. We try to, at least. And uh, we've met together so much, talking about God's word so much together that we've started calling each other um, our twin. And so my twin is coming to speak next Sunday for you. And he looks nothing like me, but um, we, uh, we share God's word together and we talk about God's word together together. And so um, I'm so, so thrilled for him to come and, and preach for us. He's coming from Houston, Texas. And so um, I think God is trying to let us feel like what he feels like there with all the humidity in the air today. My goodness, it's so muggy outside. Um, but the title of the message comes from not, not just from Montana, right? It comes from Psalm chapter 55 verse 22, as well as 1 Peter 5, 7. We're going to read those in a moment, but before we read those, you know what we like to do here. We have to ask the Father to, to join us in this conversation. Can we do that? Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, my goodness, what a great God you are. Because you are holy, there is none like you. And because you are holy, and because there is None like you, Father. We can come to you with our heartache, with our burden, and you promise us rest. And because you are not like anyone else, you fulfill the rest that we need. And so, God, today in our heartache, we run to you for rest, and we ask you to grant it. We invite you to join in this conversation today. 
I thank you for every home that's represented here, every person that's here that is coming with heartache, that they would find healing in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Chapter, Psalm chapter 55, verse 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. And then later on in the New Testament, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I'm sure many of you noticed the first word in both of those scriptures is the word cast. Now, the cast that it talks about there has nothing to do with fly fishing. But it's just the play on words that we're going, going to run with. By the way, this picture in our, in our graphic is me and my son fishing last summer at uh, the Roxbury Pond. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a magical moment that I actually caught a fish in. So. <laughs> the meaning of the word cast just simply means... And in, in, in the original language in both of these, so, so in Psalm it's written in Hebrews, and, and then in, um, in First Peter it's written in Greek. Both of those languages indicate that the original word means to throw upon. Not just to throw, but to throw upon. So when you're casting a, a lure, you're throwing it upon the water in hopes that you'll catch a fish, right? So to throw upon something else. Here, it, it mentions to throw upon the Lord, to throw your anxieties, to throw your burdens, to throw whatever is causing the heartache in your life upon him. And this morning, I hope that your action step today is to throw upon the Lord and to trust him with whatever it is that you're going through. I always try to, I, I was trying to explain this last week to a friend of mine about the feeling that I receive when I preach sometimes, um, which is a very hard thing to do, um, trying, trying to put into words. And um, I realized that I preach the way I try to live my life. And that's simply by listening to the Spirit, every time that I communicate God's Word, I'm listening to God just like you are. Unfortunately, the, the sound is my voice for you. <laughs> but for me, I, I listen to His Spirit, and I, and I try to, to hear what He's saying to me. And, and last week, as I talked about God being close to the brokenhearted, I just got this overwhelming sense from the spirit that there was heartache here. And I started thinking about it, and I'm like, well, look around the world. Of course there's heartache in our world, what's going on in our world. And so I, I got this sense that this is where we needed to go. I really feel like it's, it's led by God. That led me to a, the passage that Paul talked about in Montana, 1 Kings chapter 19. In the book of 1 Kings 19, there's a man that's known as the prophet Elijah. And Elijah in this moment is heartbroken. And in fact, he had just experienced 
a great victory, one of the greatest victories in all of the scriptures. He had just stood up to 850 false prophets. And as he stood up to them, he slaughtered them. He killed them. And in, in 1 Kings 18, it says in verse 19 that these prophets that he stood up to feasted at the table of a woman by the name of Jezebel. They had, they had eaten with, with Jezebel. And so, of course, Jezebel is mad that Elijah, this man, had just killed 850 of her friends that were false prophets against the God of Israel. So Jezebel's ticked. So in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1, is where we pick up the story. Jezebel was mad. She sends a message to Elijah, and that's where we're at. Verse 1 of 1 Kings 19. You can read it with me. When Ahab got home, Ahab is Elijah's husband. I'm, I'm sorry, Elijah's husband. That's the wrong church. Wrong church for that. Wrong church for that. Wow. Ahab was Jezebel's husband. Wow. If I offended some of you, well, I'm sorry. It's not the first time I'll do that. I'm sorry. It might be the first time. I'll be the last. Verse 1. All right, let's, let's start over. Not the very beginning of the message, by the way. Let's start over with 1 Kings 19. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the way that he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have killed you just as you killed them. So Jezebel sends this threat to Elijah that all these false gods that have zero power are going to kill her if she doesn't kill Elijah. All I'm going to say about this is, is let, let me first ask a question. How do you think a man that had just slaughtered 850 false prophets would respond to a woman threatening to kill him? How would you think that he would respond? Ladies, let me just tell you real quick, you have a lot of power over men. A lot of power over men. And it's been that way since the Garden of Eden, right? Um, I'm not going to go back to, to that. But you have a lot of power over men. So let's see Elijah's response in verse 3. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. See, ladies, I'm telling you. A lot of power. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. And then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Did you know that there was a suicidal man in the Bible by the name of Elijah? That's what he is. And oftentimes we don't, we don't know how to handle like depression that brings us to the point of wanting to die. But there is a suicidal man that was a prophet of God 
by the name of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. He's saying, God, kill me. Take me now. I am done. Now, I'm not saying that that's where people in our church are at. But I know that there's a lot of heartache in this world. Again, just look around and see the mess that this world is. But I'm telling you, there's hope today. I want you to know that there's hope today. And this brings me to today's big idea. The one thing that I want to communicate to you is this. The echo of our complaint is always the sound of previous God-given victory. And the echo of your complaint, whatever it is that you're complaining about this morning that has you in heartache, the echo of that is another victory, is a victory that God has already provided for you. You just have to listen to the echo. Think about all that God has already done in your life when we get to the moment of heartache. Elijah had just stood up to 850 false prophets and he forgot in that moment that Jezebel had said, if the gods don't kill you, if I'm gonna kill you and if I don't kill you, the gods will kill me. And so he had forgotten the previous victory that God had just provided for him. And in verse um, and in verse 4 of 1 Kings 19, we see Elijah's complaint, his first complaint. It says this, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. But if you jump down to verse 10, we see his second complaint. Because he, has, he goes on, he gives more detail and that's kind of the meat of our message this morning. But before we get there, I want you to notice the words that God says to Elijah. Because God is always a loving father. He's always been a loving father. And the loving father in our heartache says to us, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, son? What are you doing here, daughter? Why are you in this place of feeling of despair? Can you hear the devastation in the father's voice as he says, what are you doing here? It's not devastation or disappointment in the son. It's in the devastation or disappointment of the placement of the son. It's in the place that the son is. In other words, son, this isn't, this isn't where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be with me, where you're safe, where you're secure, where you're wrapped in my love. This is where you belong. What are you doing here, son? And in verse 10, we see Elijah's response. Let's read it. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, 
torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. In verse 10 of 1 Kings 19, I see four symptoms of heartache. Four symptoms of heartache that Elijah puts on display here. Symptom number one of our heartache is tired. We often in our heartache feel tired. May I even say exhausted. Some of you here this morning and you just feel tired. Elijah said, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. I really believe Elijah is saying here, God, I'm tired. I've served you. Can I say it's okay to feel tired for serving the Lord? It's not wrong to feel tired. It's wrong to stay tired. God doesn't want you to feel tired. Let me say this. I think God wants us to be tired from serving the Lord. That's why he commands that we receive rest. He, in, in the Ten Commandments, one of the, one of the Ten Commandments is honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. You know what he's, he's commanding us to do there? He's commanding us to rest. God took six days to form the world, and on the seventh day he rested. And if God needs rest, Adam Harold needs rest. We all need rest. Now here's what's cool about the about the symptoms, all four symptoms, is there's always an antidote to the symptom. There's always something that God wants us to remember in the midst of our symptoms. Elijah had forgotten them. And what I love about this series, about this particular message, is that God gave me the answers to our symptoms all from the same chapter of the Bible. Psalm chapter 23. The shepherd's psalm. David had already penned it when Elijah was feeling down in the dumps. He'd already written it. The answer to our tiredness is to remember his rest. His rest. Look at Psalm 23, 2. He lets me rest in the green meadows. He leads me beside the peaceful streams. Notice, this isn't your rest. This is his rest. This is rest that only God can give. This is true rest. You know what that means? That means that you can go home and take a nap this afternoon, and you can wake up and you can still feel tired. But when you go home and you rest in what you heard from the scriptures and you read them and you put them in your heart and you live them, there comes a peace with that that no nap can ever give. His rest. In our tiredness, we have to remember the rest that God gives us. Symptom number two is in our heartache, 
we often feel alone. In our heartache, we often feel alone. We see it in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 10. Elijah goes on. He says this, But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars, and they've killed every one of your prophets. He, Elijah's like, everyone else, all my buddies are dead. I am alone. They killed all my friends that were, that were prophets of God, like me. And I am left all by myself. Psalm 23, 4 teaches us that in our loneliness, God wants us to remember his presence. His presence. Look at Psalm 23, 4. You've heard it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For what? For thou art with me. Let me read it in the New Living Translation. Even though, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They protect, they protect me. I want to remind you all this morning that in our heartache, God is close. I think I, I preached this last week too, which, which again, it's showing up again, showing me again confirmation that God's showing the, this church that in our heartache, he's right here. He's close by. He wants to be with you. He wants to walk, walk you beside quiet waters. He wants you to find peace. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's close. He's close. Come on, you can do it. Look at your second choice and say, he's close to you too. Right? <laughs> Symptom number three. So we feel tired. We feel alone. Symptom number three. In our heartache, we feel defeat. We just feel defeated. It's in the last sentence of verse 10, 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah says, I'm the only one left. Now, I know many of you think that this is where Elijah's feeling alone, but it's not. He's looking around. He's seeing all of his friends, what? Dead. Dead is defeated. And he's feeling defeated. Can I tell you what I think God wants us to remember in our defeat? And I, I love these last two points because they're right out of the scriptures. They're not my idea because I would have said something else. I love it when the scriptures say something that I wouldn't say. Some of you actually hate that. But when you walk close to God, you understand that when God says something that we wouldn't normally say, that's when he's speaking to us. In our defeat, God wants us to remember his feast. Doesn't that sound so much better than victory? Like I would say in our defeat, God wants to remember our victory. No, God wants us to remember his feast. Here's why. Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a feast for me 
in the presence of who? My enemies. It's our enemies that often make us feel defeated. But it's in the presence of our enemies that God provides a feast for us to eat. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Here's why I think the word feast is so much more important. Because it's at the feast of God that we experience his grace. Pastor Adam, how do we experience the, the, God's grace at his feast? It's because when I look at the table, when I look around the table at God's feast, you know who I see? My enemies. I see the people in my life that have caused heartache. And I look at them and I go, what are they doing here? And as I look at them and I go, what are they doing here? You know what God says to me? What are you doing here? And it reminds me that I am so undeserving of his love and his grace for me. In our defeat, we have to remember his feast. And his feast leads us to remember his grace. It always goes back to grace. So, real quick review. In our tiredness, remember his rest. In our loneliness, remember his presence. In our defeat, remember his feast. Number four, symptom number four. In our heartache, we often feel threatened. We feel threatened. Elijah, verse 10 of 1 Kings says, and now they're trying to kill me too. This is, in the, this is the moment that Elijah's feeling threatened by, the, by his enemies. He thinks he's gonna die. Some of you are here because you feel threatened by the enemy. Let me tell you, let me remind you that Satan has no hold on those who are in Christ Jesus because Christ Jesus has defeated him once and for all and he is no threat to you because of what God wants us to remember. Psalm chapter 23, verse six. It's the last verse of this shepherd's psalm. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live where? I will live in the house of the Lord forever. When you feel threatened, remember your address. Let me say that again. When you feel threatened, remember your address. Remember where you live. This world is not our home. This world has no hold on us because of Christ Jesus who died for our sin to remove the separation from God to get us to him so that we can live in his house and we will dwell with him forever. When you feel threatened, remember your address. This world ain't your home. Stand on your feet, I wanna pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
listen, this is the hard part. You guys are like, yes, he's done. I'm done, but God's not. This is the hard part. Because this is where you get to process all that God has spoken to you today. And with the amount of heartache that I have felt over the last two weeks coming from our church, there's a lot that needs to be dealt with. Now, next Sunday, or sorry, next Sunday, my friend Brian is going to be here, and I'm pumped. But the week after that, in week two, we're going to see where God teaches Elijah how to cast. But first, we have to address our complaint. We have to address our tiredness. We have to address our defeat. We have to address our loneliness and we have to address the fact that we feel threatened by an enemy that has no hold on us. I love God's word. And I love how it always points us back to his solution. Because his solution is always Jesus who died on the cross for our sin so that we can come into relationship with a father that loves us so much that he says to us, son, where are you? What are you doing here? Some of you have never called on the name of the Lord Jesus and the father is still saying, what are you doing here? What's taking you so long? I've given you so much goodness and grace that you haven't received yet. Why? And hopefully the spirit has revealed to you this morning that his way is perfect. Just surrender to him. Just give him your heart. Because the truth is that the only people who dwell in the house of the Lord forever are those who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. That is the most important thing that we all must do. So in that spirit, I wanna help you receive him. It's not the prayer. I believe that this prayer has actually sent more people to hell than a lot of other things because it's given people a false sense of who they are. Because when you say this prayer and you believe it in your heart enough to trust God with your life, it transforms you. If you wanna say this prayer and believe it in your heart, I invite you to fill out the card to let us know that you said it and that you're transformed today so that we can help you along the journey because when we leave as infants, we need people to feed us. The doors are gonna be open to my right and there will be people there to give you a Bible to help you along the way. But would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, I know I've sinned. I know my sin has separated me from the Father. But Jesus died to bridge the gap between my son, my sin, and 
God the Father. God, I receive Jesus in my heart the best that I can. I trust him with my life. I invite you to transform me from the inside out. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Are you glad you came to church today? Are you going to go home and take a nap? All right. Hey, let's sing a song and then we'll be dismissed.